Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Chris Carpenter Show. Um, got lots to talk about. We're going to talk um, all three of the the big major sports at Tech. Some of the news that came up this week. We're gonna we're gonna point and laugh at San Diego State and the pickle that they have now found themselves in. And then we will be on down the road. Hope everybody had a great week. Still hot in Texas, but it's July. It's hot. That's usually the way it is. Hope everybody had a good 4th of July. Make sure, I hope that you read the Declaration of Independence and didn't blow your hand off with fireworks. So let's jump right into it and let's talk um, kind of the probably the top story this week in Texas Tech Athletics uh, was the baseball situation with uh, Mason Molina. Molina was Tech's number one pitcher last year, and it kind of began to leak out Sunday night that he was going to be going into the transfer portal. It ends up being confirmed on Wednesday that he's in the portal, and most likely he probably is going to go to Arkansas. Uh, He'll join Hudson White, former Tech player um, at Arkansas. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of Tech fans not real happy with that situation. Um, Various various angles here you know there there are obviously there's some pushing the panic button talking about well we just lost our number one pitcher there goes next season you know has tadlock lost his touch i've, I've seen that nonsense again on twitter um you know it, it is obviously very disappointing to lose molina i thought molina certainly he was your number one pitcher last year um now there a lot of people are, are making the argument now that you know kyle Kyle Robinson is is probably going to be your number one um, going into next year, and you know I would agree that Robinson came on strong, um, you know towards the end of the season. Molina I think was probably your most consistent pitcher, and I was really looking forward to having that kind of one two punch um, again. Um, so it's obviously disappointing, and and you know certainly losing a starter like that is disappointing just because you know the last couple of years that you haven't been able to get get yourself to Omaha. You know, pitching has been the Achilles heel of the team, um, you know, so that that's disappointing. You know, there are people mad at Arkansas. They're saying, oh, tampering, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think it's clear, you know, Arkansas, you know, Molina got a better offer from Arkansas. And, you know, this is this is the world of NIL that you live in. And, you know, um, unfortunately, right now in baseball, teams in the SEC Quite frankly, they pay better than than Tech. Um, you know, Arkansas has a really strong NIL program for baseball. Tennessee does. LSU obviously does as well. You know, LSU this year, they were able to really parlay their NIL work into a national championship. Um, now, some people would say, well, that's cheating. They bought their team, blah, blah, blah. You know, I would disagree with them. You know, this is, this is the world that we live in in college sports. Um, NIL is here to stay. And I... I, for one, do not want government even coming close to regulating NIL. And I know that that blowhard Tommy Tuberville, you remember him when he slipped out of the 50-yard line, was left recruits, left out of the bathroom window. Um, you know, he's he's been squawking, you know, like a politician about, you know, the government, Congress needs to regulate NIL. I, I think that would be the worst thing to happen, um, you know, my attitude about it is, well, you know, does tech need to pay more in NIL? And I think that that is a worthy question to explore. 
I would I would still say you know tech you know comparing tech to the rest of the Big Twelve and really the rest of I think all of college athletics, tech has done a really good job with NIL. Um, you know, every tech athlete got twenty five thousand dollars in NIL money this year, and you know you look at the the uh, women's sports. I, I think tech, and I don't I don't know comparing to other women's sports. But I would say tech has probably been top notch in women women athletics and taking care of their athletes through NIL. So I think you always need to strive to probably you're going to have to raise money more and more just because that's the nature of this world we live in. And and I think, you know, that's certainly going to be something worth exploring. But, you know, tech is not behind the eight ball when it comes to NIL. In fact, they've been at the forefront not only in the Big 12, but, you know, I think within all of college athletics. And um, I think that they've we've seen the benefits of that. You know, unfortunately, in this situation, you ran into a team that, had, you know, can pay more in Arkansas. And, and I don't think it was just necessarily just the pay. I, th- I think probably Molina um, looked at there's a greater, greater chance of getting to Omaha with, with an SEC school and an SEC school like Arkansas that's been there. Um, you know, I would, I would argue back, you know, tech's been there as much as Arkansas has the past few years, but you know, uh, I think that's probably why, uh, Molina ended up going to Arkansas and, you know, I think it's a bigger, the bigger problem in baseball right now is just SEC dom- dominance in general. And, you know, there are teams in the big 12 that need to step up and, care more about baseball than they do Baylor I'm looking at you <laughs> you're you're one that clearly does not care for about baseball which is shocking because you know you're in a great area in Waco where you just you've got talent there and and you you know the facilities I think are decent at, at Baylor for baseball but they've just been I mean they're they've they probably were the worst power conference team in baseball this year and last year too. Um, you know, so that's one, I, that's a team that needs to pour more money into baseball. Um, you know, the Kansas schools, Kansas state's gotten better. You know, Kansas state had a pretty strong year this year. And, and I think they do have, they did have a case, um, you know, to gripe about, about not getting the tournament, but I mean, university of Kansas, you play other sports besides basketball, you know, pour some money into it. KU, um, you look at the new Big Twelve. You know, taking Texas and Oklahoma out. You know, Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma State are your three teams that I think consistently care about baseball and are trying to pour resources into baseball. And I think the rest of the Big Twelve needs to step up and you know shoulder the load. Um, you know, Houston I think could potentially be a team that you could. Uh, have you know do well in baseball potentially you know we'll see and I want to talk about this some more a little bit later in the podcast because you know, I did pose uh, the question this week you know which of the new Big Twelve teams do you think is going to have the most success in athletics so we'll talk about that a little bit more later but I, I think that's a bigger problem than Tech's NIL uh, program right now is is you know and it's not just a Big Twelve problem you know the Pac twelve I mean the Pac twelve just they're they're a mess in and of itself but. They don't care much about baseball, um, you know, save for the, you know, Stanford's. And, I, you know, I think Arizona, Arizona State typically does as well, Oregon State. But, you know, uh, 
baseball has become, I mean, the, the NCAA tournament's basically become an SEC invitational tournament. I mean, you look at the amount of teams, number one, that got in this year from the SEC, the teams that hosted um, regional and that were national seeds, and then finally, you know, teams that got in the College World Series, and again, we had an all-SEC final. And that's that's troubling. I think you, you know, if it, the Big 12 to me, probably is the is the conference that's best suited to challenge the SEC for supremacy in baseball uh, and then I would say ACC as well um although ACC again you know we've talked about it on this podcast they're they're not on stable ground themselves but you know other conferences need to challenge the SEC and 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 and, and the way you challenge the SEC is you pour money into your baseball program. That's that is something that the SEC has been very effective at, and um, I think certainly probably the next big project to Texas Tech is going to be uh, Dan Law Field and and doing some sort of mass renovation of it. Um, I think that's definitely probably after you get done with the South End Zone, that's going to be the next big project that you see taking place. And I would love to see um, you know. A, an expansion of the Dan, of Dan Law Field. I'd love to see maybe some sort of outfield type seating. You know, they've talked about maybe like a tailgate type thing or something in the outfield. I don't know, but um, you know, that's probably on next on the list, and I think that definitely is going to be needed. But you know, uh, getting back to Molina, is the sky falling for Texas Tech baseball? I'm going to say no. Um, it's disappointing. I think they're. You know, you look at the t- uh, players that have entered the transfer portal this year. Um, you know, Melita and Hudson White are the two probably big ones that you know you really are are disappointed to lose. Um, you know, and really Hudson White, I everything that I've heard it was it was it was over not being promised to consistently play catcher every game. I think you're going to be fine in that position. Uh, you know, Kevin Bazell is going to probably play catcher for you and I, and I I just don't foresee Tim Tadlock you know having a consistent catcher day in day out for every game I think you know he coaching record wise he's, he's proven that he usually likes to interchange out the catcher and and he wants someone that can not only play catcher but can play other positions in the field so um, but the, the Molina one hurts. Um, you, you know, you did you did get a guy. You got ACU's ace. Um, he's coming to Tech, and you also got a guy from Gonzaga. And so, you know, I certainly I think you can get other pitchers. You know, you, you can even go the junior college route like you did with Monteverde a few years ago and Birdsall, and that 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 worked out really well. Um, but you know, you do have a little bit of a hole that you got to fill now. Now, d- does this mean that Tech's done they're not gonna make the utility tournament no i i think you still have a lot of talent on next year's team um you know and you just you got to fill in a couple more spots at pitcher and i think you'll be fine <laughs> the tadlock people that are saying that he's lost his touch or he doesn't know how to do nil i i think that's nonsense um you know this is this is a change for him but i like i said i think tech has navigated nil better than really anybody in the big 12 and I think they're up there in all of college athletics and you know having said that you still you're going to have to consistently and continue to adjust um your NIL program because other teams are adjusting their NIL program so um which which I think the people involved in all that NIL stuff know so it's not that 
that huge of a of, of an issue for Texas Tech. So let's switch gears. Let's talk some basketball. And um, we did have the final um, announcement of the roster spot for basketball. Uh, Joe Toussaint from West Virginia. He is um, transferring to play at Texas Tech. Um, this was someone that. I was really shocked that he ended up committing to Tech. Um, he had narrowed down his choices to Pitt, which <laughs> that was a fun little troll of West Virginia fans, and then uh, K-State and Tech. And, you know, there's been several instances in this offseason where McCaslin has had to battle it out with Jerome Tang at Kansas State, and Jerome Tang has won. And so, you know, my expectation was Toussaint was probably going to go to Kansas State, Um Obviously, pleasant surprise. I think this is a really good pickup uh, for this Texas Tech team to bring in a kind of a back. He's going to, I think, serve more as a backup guard to Pop Isaacs. Um, but you know, something else. This 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 continues the trend of if McCaslin gets him out, and and Chris Gerlich as well. By the way, um, if they get the player out here to Lubbock and tour the Womble and see everything, they commit to Tech. And, you know, Joey McGuire is, he's not, you know, 100%, but, you know, he's, he's got a pretty high percentage of players. If you get them out to Lubbock, they commit. So, um, that's, that's a really great trend. And I think that, that goes to show that the Womble is, is a great asset to tech. Um, and certainly the future facilities that football is building is going to be a great asset to tech. Um, so you have your kind of your completion of your roster, um, probably the big question mark going into this season right now is you don't have a lot of front court players. Um, you've, you've really got one kind of traditional post player that you can put in there. And that was, I think that was a little bit of another part of the surprise with the signing of uh, Toussaint uh, that you didn't go after another post player. Having said that, is, is that going to be a devastating thing for this basketball team? Not necessarily. Um, you know, I've, I've heard some people kind of compare this roster, the way it was assembled, to a roster that, that Baylor would assemble. And, you know, you look at Baylor's record in basketball this last several years. I mean, they have a national championship on their plate. And I'm, you know, certainly not saying that that should be the expectation. But, you know, what what I'm saying here is, is you know there there are workarounds around you know not having a huge front court presence and um, you know on this team so again I, I, my expectations and, and and this may change going into the season but you know here July July eighth my expectation is I think this team can get themselves back to the NCAA tournament um, you know. I don't think that's a lofty expectation. You were three, four games away from it last year. Um, and, you know, you've got, I think, obviously you got some good pieces coming back with Pop Isaacs and, you know, Washington Jennings coming back. And then you're adding some new transfer players. And I think the the good thing with some of the transfer players, you're, you're adding a couple good things with them. Number one, you're adding players that went to the NCAA tournament last year. But you're also adding players that are, you know, juniors and seniors versus freshmen and sophomores, which I think was a big part of your struggles last year. You were you were way too young, especially you compare that to the 2022 tech team that I mean, you were one of the oldest teams in college basketball and you get yourself to a sweet 16 and you came very close to getting to an elite elite eight with that team. So 
I think I think you I think McCaslin's done a good job of assembling a strong roster. Um, are you going to have growing pains? I think probably you will, but again, I I think you know the key, next key thing to kind of watch for is what is the schedule going to look like and. Um, you know, I've talked about it here on this podcast. I, I do want to see a little bit of an upgrade from the schedule. I don't want to see all of your non-con be, you know, SWAC and MEAC teams. I don't think that really serves you well to prepare you for Big 12 play. We do know they're going to be playing in the Bahamas in the uh, Battle for Atlantis tournament. The news leaked out you're, you're going to be playing Oral Roberts, which I think that is a good quality non-con uh, opponent. And then there was one other team uh, from the summit. I can't. I think it was like South Dakota State, or I'd have to, I'd have to look it up. But um, that's a start. You know, I've said before, I would love to see. You know, if you're not going to schedule Power Five teams, and if you're struggling with Power Five teams wanting to come to Lubbock, I think scheduling teams from the Mountain West is and the american are are you know those are upgrades and scheduling and you know schedule like a wichita state or you know a you know unm or um you know who else is in the mountain west now <laughs> san diego state you know <laughs> well for now they're in the mountain west you know teams like that or you know i've said it before i would love to see you know you had this going on when bob knight arrived at tech I'd love to see a little bit of a a renewal of the UTEP Texas tech playing every year. Um, You went to El Paso a few times, which I think that's beneficial as a university because you helped to expand your footprint into El Paso. Um, And then I think that's beneficial for, you know, them to come, come, come into Lubbock because I think you do, you would get a, a pretty decent crowd with a UTEP coming in over, you know, like a, you know, Mississippi Valley State or Coppin State type team like that, you know. So the other thing, hopefully we don't see, and this was, I'm not trying to take a shot at Mark Adams here, but both of his seasons, you end up playing in this weird tournament slash, it wasn't a tournament, it was like an invitational type game where you're playing in a high school gym, television was the production value was terrible and you weren't playing a really good team. Um, you know, last year where you were playing in Houston in this like classic thing and then the South Padre Island, I just, let's not do that. Um, if you want to play a neutral site game, I would love to get back to, you know, and I, I hate to bring his name up, but you know, I'd love to get back to what, what beard did when he was at tech, you know, play a game in Midland or, you know, play a game up in Amarillo King Canyon. I think that, you know, the Lady Raiders have done that. You know, maybe you could play Tulsa at the WT Arena or something. I think that would be that would be a better use of a game and use of resources than what you've done the last two years with those quote-unquote neutral classic type games. So I'm not sure when we're going to get the schedule, um, but that'll be something that'd be interesting to see. I still don't know. Well, you do have a big... I think I forgot to say this last week and as well, but you know we do know you are going to be playing at Butler, and I think that's a really good, good uh, non-con schedule. So you you do have that Big East Big Twelve challenge um, this year again. You don't have the SEC Big Twelve challenge, and there hasn't been any sort of announcement of a replacement to that, which I think is a shame. I um, to me it 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 makes sense, and maybe they're working behind the scenes to do this to have like a Big Ten, 
Big 12 challenge because both conferences lost their challenge mate. Big 10 lost the ACC, Big 12 lost the SEC, and I think that would be, you know, even if Tech has to go on the road next year, if they have to go to like at Ohio State or at, you know, Illinois, I think that if you can kind of get that to the schedule again where you can do a home and home and, you know, yeah, Tech goes on the road this year and then next year a Big 10 team has to come to Lubbock, I think that would be great. Um, so I'd love to see possibly that that happening um, with the schedule. So we'll kind of see what happens. That'll be interesting to watch. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm excited for the basketball season. I'm excited for the TBT tournament um, coming up in a few weeks. I, I'm, I'm actually going to get to go to the, the opening game um, against, I think it's like big purple, some big purple team. Um, but seeing those guys um, – be able to come back again and play uh, that'll be fun to see so and I and I, re- I really think Lubbock's going to sell it out and break the records attendance records for this TBT tournament so and and I think you do that you you become a permanent host for this tournament I think that would be a great thing so let's shift gears and talk some football and really big news with football this week you know yes Joey McGuire got some more um, recruits in um Still no news on Micah Hudson, and, and you know, kind of my attitude about that is I kind of don't expect him to commit to Tech. If he does, that's going to be awesome. I love the trolling of Texas. I love Texas being exposed, you know, with their calling Tech sand Aggies and all that. But, you know, if he comes here, great. If he doesn't, I, I think, you know, you do have some quality receivers in place and you got to put you, I mean, you, you're, you're building a uh, probably another top 20 recruiting class here and, and I think certainly you 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 are in a strong position to be the number one recruiting class in the new Big Twelve when it's all said and done. And I think that's a huge, uh, huge development, huge step as well. So we did the big news this week was the preseason poll got picked, and um, I'll go ahead and read that to you. Um, no surprise, uh, Texas is picked number one. Um, they're back again. <laughs> you know, I get it. I, I get why Texas is picked number one. I think on paper, you look at um, their team. They're they're a very talented team. My number one question is going to continue to be with them. Can they actually produce on the field? Because we've seen this movie before where Texas is highly touted because of the talent that they have on paper. And then the talent does not live up to its hype on the field. And I'm kind of like the state of Missouri here with the University of Texas. You got to show me on the field, can you produce or not? And so that's kind of where I'm at with them. And again, this is not my official Big 12 prediction. I'm that'll happen next month. But, you know, this I'm just reading off what the what the sports writers have picked for uh the Big 12. Uh coming in at number 2. Uh, by the way, as far as first place votes, uh Texas had 41 first place votes. So yeah, I mean, clearly the writers are real confident that Texas is going to be number one in the Big 12. With 14 first place votes coming in at second is Kansas State. I got no qualms with that. I do think they're they're going to be um, another team that's going to be contending for the championship. I do believe they'll probably be in the Big 12 championship game again this year. 
extremely talented team. I'm really looking forward to that October 14th matchup with Tech. Um, they have to come to Lubbock, and I think that could be an extremely, if you're Texas Tech and you want to take that next step, this is a pivotal matchup for you to prove that, oh, yes, you can be in that upper tier of the Big 12. Um, so, But I, I do think Kansas State's going to be good again this year. Coming in at number three, and they got four first-place votes, is Oklahoma. Um, you know, Oklahoma's a big mystery to me. You know, they were not very good last year. And, you know, some of the, some of the people would say, well, that's, you know, they, they were bad when Dylan Gabriel got hurt. I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with that um, sentiment. I, I think they're – I think I just don't think they were very good last year overall. And, you know – I'm not saying he's on the hot seat because I don't necessarily think that's true, but I think there is a lot of pressure on Brent Venables in here in year two to kind of get the nose up on the ship here that is Oklahoma. And you, and I don't think he can afford to have another year like he did last year, finishing six and six. Um, I'm not sold on them being up in that top half. I know they had a good recruiting class again, you know, Oklahoma's like Texas, they, they typically do well in recruiting. Oklahoma's been better at Texas at actually producing on the field over the years, but Venables hasn't done that yet. And so that's going to be, to me, I got a big question mark on Oklahoma. I, I just don't know how good they are going to be this year. And so that, that to me is interesting. Coming in at number four, and they got four first place votes, is Texas Tech. I think it's pretty fair. Um, I think you could also interchange them with who is in at number five, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, you know, I've said it pretty much all offseason since the Texas Bowl ended back in December. You know, I do think Texas Tech has the pieces to contend for a Big 12 championship. And by contend, be in that conversation, be in that upper tier of the Big 12. Um, that Kansas State game is going to be a huge I think proving ground. Obviously, the Oregon game is going to be a huge proving ground as well. But I mean, you've got a you've got a favorable schedule because you get Kansas State in Lubbock, you get TCU in Lubbock, um, you don't play Oklahoma this year. Um, you get you know you do have to go on the road at Texas, but you know your road schedule and your home schedule you you've got a lot of your you've got a lot of the, the top tier teams having to come to Lubbock this year. And so it could it could bear right for you to uh, to, to finish um, in that upper half. So TCU comes in at number five. They ended up with um, three first place votes. Um, you know, like I said, I think you could I think you could interchange TCU and Texas Tech. Um, I think TCU is going to have a little bit of a fall off from last year, but again, I mean, you you went undefeated. You had you know, you lost the Big 12 championship game and you lost in the national championship game. But beyond that, you went undefeated. Um, that's hard to do, you know, two years in a row if you're a program like TCU. So I do think you're going to have a little bit of a fall off from TCU. I don't know if it's necessarily going to go all the way down to fifth place. But, you know, like I said, I think I think you could you could switch out Tech and, te- and TCU. But I, I also can see, you know... You're, you do have a proven quarterback in Tyler Shuck. TCU doesn't necessarily have that right now. So, And you get TCU in Lubbock, which I think that's going to be another pivotal game. That's going to be a Thursday night game um, in November. 
And again, that's another prove me game if you're Texas Tech to prove that you can be in that upper tier of the Big 12. Baylor comes in at number six. They didn't get any first place votes. I think that's pretty fair where they're at. You know, they they really struggled last year. Um, they've kind of been a little bit of a trendy pick from some people to maybe kind of get back on their feet. Big question mark to me with Baylor is you've had a brain drain in Baylor with your coaching staff. You know, Joey McGuire, when he came to Texas Tech, he brought a lot of Baylor assistants. You know, the big one that he brought in was Blanchard, the recruiting coordinator, which, the, you know, Tech has really reaped benefits from that. Um, has Dave Aranda been able to replace the brain drain that he lost um, when McGuire departed? You've also had um, a lot of the uh, former staff depart and go to Nebraska to, to be with Matt Rule. So that's going to be the question mark there. You know, Baylor recruiting rankings wise, I think um, they were, I think they finished ahead of Tech in the last recruiting rankings. Um, you know, Tech, Baylor, TCU have kind of been the ones battling it out as far as the new new Big 12 for kind of your your top tier. So that's going to be interesting. You know, Tech goes play goes and plays at Baylor this year. You've not won. If you're Texas Tech, you've not won at the new Baylor Stadium. And could be an opportunity this year to do that. We'll see. But they come in at number six. Coming in at number seven, and here's the big shocker about this one. They got one first place vote is Oklahoma State. I really want to know what Ryder voted them first because I really think Oklahoma State's going to have a struggle this year. Uh, Mike Gundy has made it clear he doesn't like NIL, doesn't like Transfer Portal, um, and you've lost a lot to the Transfer Portal. Um, you're bringing in Alan Bowman. He's going to be most likely your starter. Um, I, I will say this. A lot of people have bagged on Alan Bowman. A lot of tech people have. You know, I'm not there with Alan Bowman to bag on him. Uh, you know, I think you go back, his first year was 2018, and he really did look good. I think he's just been injury prone. Um, I think it was probably for the best when he ended up transferring. I think he transferred at the end of 2020. Um, I think he was, yeah, he was there that season. Um, but, you know, I, I don't get the Tech fans bagging on Bowman. Oh, he's the worst. I, you know, like I said, I I think he was a really good quarterback at times for Texas Tech. I think the issue was the health. And he was very injury prone. I don't know if he ever fully recovered when while he was at Texas Tech from the collapsed lung uh, against West Virginia. I think that dogged him, you know, even going into the next year. Um, and then you had the coaching change and, you know, what was the guy, what was the OC's name? Long-haired man. Oh, gosh, I'm drawing a brain fart. The guy that was Matt Wells' first OC, um, I just, I don't think he, 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 I don't think he knew what to do with, with um with Alan Bowman and I think it certainly showed um having said all that I don't think Oklahoma State's going to have a great year. I don't think the fault is going to solely lie with uh Alan Bowman, but I just think, you know, Mike Gundy has made it clear He's not very good at adjusting in this NIL transfer portal world. And I, I think ultimately that that comes back to bite him in the butt, you know. So 
and that oh David Yost. David Yost was his name. Um anyway, so <laughs> long haired man. That's his new name. Um anyway, so that's so Oklahoma State comes in at number seven. Coming in at number eight is UCF. I do think UCF is going to be going to finish the best in football of the new Big 12 teams. I think, you know, Gus Mel's on. I think player-wise, I think they, they are the best prepared to make the jump to the Big 12. I don't think they're at a position to be in the upper tier, but certainly I think, you know, a 7-5, and 6-6 six season probably is, is doable for UCF, so I think it's pretty fair that they're at number 8. Um, that could be a game, that, you know, they do come to Lubbock this year. That could be a real interesting game, depending on record-wise where each team is at, um, you know, because you're, you're you're they're coming in. I think they're the week before Thanksgiving is when they come to Lubbock, so they could be coming into a pretty cold Lubbock that week weekend, and that'll be an interesting game to watch. So, number nine, you've got Kansas. Um, a lot of people are high on Kansas with the Jalen Daniels uh, quarterback coming back. Um, I think Kansas can get to six and six. Beyond that, I think it's going to be hard for them to get better than six and six. I don't think they fall back down to like two and ten, but I do think they're going to struggle to win games this year. Um, I think the talent wise is just they're just not compared to the rest of the other teams of the Big Twelve. So I think nine is pretty fair for them. Um, I think six and six is their ceiling, though. At number 10, we got Iowa State. You know, Iowa State's going to be an interesting team to watch. You know, you had, obviously, 2019-2020 season. Uh, Matt Campbell, you know, had a, has a, had a really strong season. And then it's it's kind of started to fall apart. They were really, you know, they were really well regarded preseason of 2021. People were talking about, oh, they're going to be in contention for the Big 12 title. You know, they ended up falling apart, going seven and was seven and five. Um, then last year they they go four and eight. Um, this is kind of I'm not saying you know I don't think Matt Campbell is even close to being on the hot seat, but I think this is a pivotal season for Matt Campbell to maybe try and pull the nose up on this and and at least try and get Iowa State back to where they're at a, they're a six win team uh, you know um they had struggles last year they they are bringing in a new offensive coordinator we'll see if that helps but i think 10 is pretty appropriate for them at number 11 you've got BYU um I think obviously pretty fair. I think UCF next to UCF, I think BYU has the best shot of transitioning, but they really weren't a very good team last year. I think they were like a six win team being independent. So coming into a conference, I think they're going to struggle to gain bowl eligibility. Now, Texas tech needs to watch out. Tech plays them in October in Provo that could be a trap game for Tech. Um, that could be like all those times when Tech went to Colorado and laid an egg. I could totally see that happening in Provo. So that's going to be something, if you're Tech, watch out for. But I do think this, this BYU team this year probably struggles to make a bowl game. Number 12 is Houston. A lot of people 
bagging on Houston. They think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the Big 12. You have another former Texas Tech quarterback um, at Houston, Donovan Smith. I think he's going to have a good year at Houston. I think the pieces around him is where the question mark is. And then the ultimate question being, are they truly prepared to, to play in the Big 12? You know, Dana Holgerson's one that if it falls completely apart this year, I think they could uh, fire him. So I think he enters – he's this uh, coach entering this Big 12 season second uh, most on the hot seat right now. Um, so I think pretty fair. You got Cincinnati at 13. I think you could interchange Cincinnati and Houston. Cincinnati I do think is going to fall hard. I'm not sold on the hiring of Scott Satterfield as their new coach. He was basically not doing very well at Louisville, and I think he it was a, similar to the Tuberville situation a few years ago at Cincinnati. He got out of Louisville before they could fire him, got himself a nice new contract at Cincinnati. I don't I think they're going to struggle. And then at number 14 is West Virginia. That's not surprising to me. You know, Neil Brown, I don't know if Neil Brown even makes it through the entire season. Um, there's probably, he probably should have been fired last year. I think what saved him was the fact that West Virginia hired an athletic director, but I don't, I don't foresee West Virginia winning more than four games this year. Um, I just don't think they're going to be that good. And, you know, you open, if you're Texas tech, you open up big 12 play against West Virginia in Morgantown, West Virginia could be one and three. Um, and then one and four going into their bye. That, if that's the case, you could see Neil Brown gone during that bye week. Um, I just, I just don't think West Virginia is a very good team. And uh, you know, Neil Brown's gonna have a, have he's he is in the hottest seat for sure of of any coach in uh, in the Big Twelve. So it's preseason rankings. You know, don't I? I don't take them as gospel. You know. I mean, I remember last year I was really bagging on TCU. I thought they were going to really struggle, and then look what happened. You know, my preseason Big 12 prediction last year was Oklahoma Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship, and neither of them got even close um, to the Big 12 championship. So it, it's, it's July. It's fun to talk about because there's nothing else to talk about. But, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. We do have um, – Big 12 Media Days this week. I believe Texas Tech's going to be on Wednesday. They'll be going to the Media Day, so that'll be something if you're into that. I mean, I I might watch the highlights, but you know, usually there's nothing really profound that is said at those Big 12 Media Days. It's just, you know, a lot of coach speak, a lot of players speak, quite frankly. So, all right. Let's talk a little bit of conference realignment and then we'll end with kind of my question of the week. So the big conference realignment news this week, again, San Diego State. And I heard this, I heard this um, analogy on the radio this week about, you know, San Diego State. It's like the episode of Seinfeld where George quits his job. This is one of the early episodes of Seinfeld. So George quits his job and he angrily, you know, tells off his boss, quits. And then later on he realizes, man, I probably wasn't a good idea. I don't have another job lined up. What can I do? And so he shows back up to work on Monday, pretending like nothing ever happens. Uh, his boss calls him out, and he ends up losing the job. That's kind of like San Diego State. You know, San Diego State, about three weeks ago, they make it clear that 
we're done with the Mountain West. We intend to leave. We don't like you. Boo-hoo. See ya. Um, I think they were banking on that Pac-12 would invite them, which that could still possibly happen. But that's, I mean, Pac-12 doesn't have a TV deal, so Mountain West does. Uh, but I think even beyond that, I think San Diego State was banking on if the Pac-12 doesn't invite them, well, the Big 12 will certainly invite them. Big 12, I don't think, wants San Diego State. And, I, you know, I've talked about it before on this podcast. I don't want San Diego State. What What does San Diego State give you if you're the Big 12? Nothing. You know, they don't give you anything. They, they don't give you California. You can get California with the Arizona coming. You don't need San Diego State to get California. So it's just it's a it's fun to watch. <laughs> um I think ultimately the Mountain West will I mean l- let them back in because San Diego State is your your prize jewel if you're the Mountain West. I mean this is a team that got to the national championship game last year in basketball. So it, but it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch San Diego State squirm, and they're, they're probably going to lose some money out of this. So beyond that, you know, Pac-12 still doesn't have a TV deal. Will they ever have a TV deal? I don't know. Might be like the Yeti and Sasquatch. They may never get a TV deal. We don't know. So I'm going to end with the kind of my, my question of the week. And my question of the week was dealing with the four new Big 12 teams and which Big 12 team of the four new ones is going to have the most success athletically. And, and that's the key. I didn't say most success in football. I said the most success athletically. Because, you know, we as we talked about just a few minutes ago with the preseason uh, rankings of football, I do think you are going to have some teams have a major learning curve um, in this new Big 12. Um, you know, like I said, I think UCF probably is in the best position in football. But... You know, UCF in other sports, I don't necessarily agree that they're going to be in the best position. You know, basketball, I mean, when was the last time UCF was good in basketball? Maybe when Taco Fall was there? Um, Baseball, I don't know anything about UCF baseball. You know, so I I, I don't think they're necessarily going to be the team with the most success. You know, um, Cincinnati, to me, it's interesting. You know, basketball, since Bob Huggins left, you know, they had Bob Huggins, um, Hugely successful at Cincinnati, got him to a Final Four. You know, had Nick Van Exel, Kenyon Martin, a lot of talent. He gets fired, and you know, you bring in Mick Cronin. Mick Cronin had a pretty strong, um, you know, some strong teams at Cincinnati, and then he bolted for UCLA a few years ago. You haven't been good at Cincinnati since, and so that's going to be something. Can can they kind of rebuild? that basketball program. And so, and it's a storied basketball program at Cincinnati. You know, you go back and look, you know, Oscar Robertson went there. They won back-to-back national championships in the sixties, in the nineties and early two thousands. They were consistently good um, under Bob Huggins, but they're not there yet. Baseball's a mess too at Cincinnati. They got caught up in the Alabama scandal. So I'm not, I don't think Cincinnati's the one that's going to have most success in athletics. BYU, um, you know, we talked about them in football. BYU basketball. BYU has, um, you know, they, they've had some solid teams through the years. I mean, I remember obviously watching BYU basketball when I, you know, gr- growing up in El Paso with UTEP. You know, BYU, they were a hated rival of UTEP back in the day. You know, I remember seeing Sean Bradley come play 
um, you know, UTEP and, you know, they had some solid, you know, obviously Jimmer Ferdet was probably their last great team. Um, but you know, BYU basketball kind of been non-existent last few years. Baseball, I don't know much about them, uh, beyond they have a really cool stadium with a cool mountain view. So I'm not, I don't think BYU is going to have the most success athletic. I think it's going to be Houston. Um, yes, I think football wise, they're not going to be very good. But I think certainly basketball, you know, this is a Houston team that has been to the Elite Eight. They've been to the Final Four. Um, the past several years, I think they're going to be a team that will contend in basketball for the Big 12 championship this year. Baseball, to me, Houston is a sleeping giant in baseball. Um, you have a lot of talent in that area. And I know people say, well, they don't want to go to the University of Houston. Yeah, I understand that somewhat, but you know, now you've got Big 12 money, you've got Big 12 prestige. Could you get a few more people to come play baseball at University of Houston? I think certainly you could. You know, Houston also has the benefit of Fertitta, the uh, billionaire, um, pouring lots and lots of money into them, which is the reason they're in the Big 12 in the first place. Um, I think they're going to have the most success. Now, do I see them winning? a Big 12 championship this year? No, I think they might come close in basketball. But, you know, basketball, to, I mean, Big 12 basketball to me, it's it's hard it's hard to go against Kansas and say someone else besides Kansas is going to win. So, but I do think Houston probably has the most success out of all of the new Big 12 schools. So, this will be this will do it for this week's podcast. Um I am going to record a midweek madness this week, and this week we're going to talk about podcasts. I'm going to talk about kind of my favorite podcasts, give you some recommendations, and make sure you're following me on Twitter at the Carp Show. And I might uh, read up what podcasts you like on Wednesday, but make sure you subscribe and follow. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and I am at eighty four followers on Spotify. I want to get to 100. We're going to get there little by little. We're chewing it up like a caterpillar, but we're going to get there. Tell your friends about this podcast and I will see you this Wednesday for Midweek Madness podcast talk on The Chris Carpenter Show.